0: I'll invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 28. We'll be considering this theme, what it means for us to worship even when our strength is gone. I invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 28. To you, O Lord, I call. My rock... Be not deaf to me, lest if you be silent to me, I become like those who go down to the pit. Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help, when I lift up my hands towards your most holy sanctuary. Do not drag me off with the wicked, with the workers of evil, who speak peace with their neighbors while evil is in their hearts. Give to them according to their work according to the evil of their deeds. Give to them according to the work of their hands. Render them their due reward. Because they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of His hands. He will tear them down and build them up no more. Blessed be the Lord, for He has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts. I am helped. My heart exults, and with my song I give thanks to Him. The Lord is the strength of His people, He is the saving refuge of His anointed. Oh, save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. You may be seated. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, As we come before you this morning and seek your wisdom from your word, we ask that your spirit would teach us that these might not be mere words on a page, but you might take your word, apply it to our hearts and our lives with power, that we, your people, might find you to be our rock and our strength and our heritage forever. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So how can you worship when all your strength is gone? Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever just taken a nap, maybe a Sunday afternoon nap, and you you wake up feeling just weak? You can't even move? Maybe none of you have enjoyed a nap of this caliber, uh, but... But growing up, we, we would experience this, and, and we had a saying in our family, I'm so weak, I can't even make a fist. And when I got to college and I would say this, my roommates thought I was crazy. What are you talking about? You can't even make a fist. And I knew, one of the many reasons I knew that Tracy was the woman I was going to marry was because one day we were talking on the phone, and she had just woken up from a nap, and she's like, I'm so weak, I can't even make a fist. And I'm like, Right? <laughs> What is it like to be so weak you can't even take the next step? You can't even focus on the the next thing or interact with a the person around you. You're so weak you you can't even make a fist. Have you ever felt that way? There's so much in this world that is exhausting that just drains us. From the news to trouble at work, to trouble at home, to trouble in our own hearts and souls, it doesn't take long to get to a place where you just don't even know what to do, where to go, or where to find the strength to get there. So how is it in those moments are we supposed to find the strength to worship, to turn to the Lord and to to cry out to Him, to lift up His name? it mean for us to worship when all our strength is gone? We're going to consider this question this morning by looking at at four things they are printed there in your bulletin. What saps your strength? Where do we look for strength? How is it that true strength is going to be revived in us? And what does that true strength accomplish in us and in the world? And so I want to call your attention first to this question. What saps your strength? Can you name it? Do you know what it is? Or do you feel a little bit like the Wingfields might be? feeling I'm happy to come in and give Blake a break and fill in. But they're getting ready to have, is their fourth? Is it their third or fourth? I mean, they're, they're long past man defense. It's, it's zone defense at this point. And there's going to be a point, if they haven't already gotten there already, where they're just going to be exhausted. They're all, kids are running in 20 different directions. This one's crying, this one's complaining, this one's hungry. And what are you going to do? Maybe you feel like this, where you can't even... Wrap your head around what all's going on because everything is pulling at you. You can't even name why am I so tired all the time. David finds himself in a place like that where he is just desperate. We don't really know what it is, the trouble uh, that, that has borne down on him. He doesn't describe it in any sort of detail. But he's in a place where he says, God, if you don't do something, I'm going to be like one tossed in a pit where it's dark and desperate and no way out. Perhaps you've heard this uh, saying of Scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart's with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And of course, those things all overlap. But but if to love the Lord with all your heart is is to get at the essence, the core of what you love most, to love the Lord with all your, your soul is to... To love him with all you are, to find your identity in him, shaped by him. To love the Lord with all your mind is to, to see everything from his point of view, to, to understand the world as, as he describes it. If all those things are true, then to love the Lord with all your strength is to, to see the worldly effect, the, how all of those other things work themselves out in your day-to-day life. But what happens when it doesn't matter how hard you try or how hard you work, you don't seem to have any effect in your world for good at all. You can't worship the Lord in what you do because it seems like everything you do turns to dust. You feel like you're in the pit with no strength and nowhere to go. This is where David is and all he can do is cry out to God and lift up his hands towards his most holy sanctuary. And I think there's something important for us to hear in that. Something critical to the Christian life and it's this. Sometimes that is all you can do. Is lift up your hands to the holy sanctuary and cry out to God. Why is it that, that we sort of leave prayer in our back pocket as, as, as a, the, the tool of last resort? We leave our, our best and most powerful tool, the, the big plumber's wrench. We've tried the little the crescent wrench, we've tried the rat, we've maybe banged on it with a little ball peen hammer. When you need the big plumber's wrench to just turn it, we leave prayer to the end. And we try everything else before we get there. But sometimes the Lord brings us to a place where that's all you can do. And that's okay. When you find yourself in those places, what is it? Maybe even now, maybe even today. What is it that is sapping your strength? Maybe it's illness. Maybe you are battling some insidious condition that the doctors can treat but can't cure, and it's a burden on you. Maybe it's age and you're realizing that you just can't do now what you used to be able to do when you were 20 or 30 or 40. Maybe you are just weary of all the, the cultural strife. It just feels like the world is just ready to tear itself apart, whether through angry words and cancel culture or through actual warfare. Maybe you're tired of all the political gamesmanship and Anger and frustration that doesn't ever seem to accomplish any change, no matter how much it promises. Maybe, maybe you are tired of going in to work day after day after day and working hard and seeing nothing but thorns and thistles come out of it. Can't make budget. Can't finish this project. Can't get this thing to work out. Can't get no... And it just seems like it's all for nothing. Maybe you're tired of fighting that sin that is always present, that temptation that always rises up, that always promises rest and relief, and you hold out and you resist and you fight, but it just never goes away and you're just tired. When will this temptation leave me? Maybe you're tired and exhausted because you keep giving in to it and it's crushed your soul and your spirit and you can't even lift your head to heaven. Maybe you feel as if God is just so far away that you are trapped in a pit in darkness and despair and you have no strength for anything. How do you worship in that place? what are you supposed to do what are we supposed to do about all of these things that just exhaust us that just oppress us that just crush us underfoot where do you look for strength the world teaches us that when things get tough Right? The tough get going. That when things seem impossible, that's when you need to dig really deep and find a way. The world all too often reaches for things that make it feel strong, but in the end, that strength is always some form of idolatrous strength. You see this in verses 3 through 5, where. David considers in his desperate circumstances the way of the wicked and he doesn't want to get dragged off where they're going. But they are the sorts who will speak peace to their neighbors all while evil is in their hearts. They they find a way to strengthen their position by promising to be nice but then crushing those around them underfoot. Or by... Doing evil and deceptive things to strengthen their position, to advance their cause, to, to bring them to a place where they feel like they've got it together. And all too often when we look out at it, the world, it does seem, doesn't it, like those are the very people who prosper the most. But it comes at a cost. I've watched with some interest, even though I don't follow baseball a whole lot, uh, uh, Aaron Judge's home run record pursuit. Sometimes they didn't give you a choice. They'd cancel the Clemson game and put Aaron Judge on instead, but, you know, it is what it is. But he seems like, even though I'm not a Yankees fan, I, it's just, he seems to be a genuinely great guy of high character and selflessness, and, you know, that's the sort of guy you kind of want to succeed because it seems like all the other guys with the home run records have the little asterisk by their name from all the steroids and controversy, and and you just don't really want those guys to keep those records. But you know what? It worked. All those steroids, all those things, it did. It made them stronger. You just watched them bulk up from these skinny little bean poles to these massive Hulk monsters who could crush a baseball hundreds of feet but it comes at a cost, doesn't it? You don't have to turn to the medical journals to know all of the bad things those drugs do to the body, to the credibility of those who pursue them. How much more, when we pursue with the world idolatrous sources of strength, does it come at a great cost? when we think more money, when we think more prestige, when we think more pleasure, more success, that these are the things that will strengthen our position and advance our causes. It always comes at a cost. Because we see in verse 5, those who pursue idolatrous forms of strength, they do not regard the works of the Lord or the work of His hands. Because if you want to see true strength, if you want to see strength that does not fade or falter with time, if you want to see strength that is eternal, that is all-powerful, that never fails, that always accomplishes what it seeks to accomplish, you cannot find it anywhere else but in the works of the Lord. And all who rely on their own strength, all who disregard His might and His power, all who look to themselves and lift themselves up, we read that the Lord God Himself will tear them down and will build them up no more. All the things they thought they gained will be undone. Only the works of the Lord reveal true strength and everything else will stand in judgment before Him. So why is it that when we are feeling exhausted, when we are feeling desperate, when we are feeling weak, we all too often look to idolatrous sources to satisfy our need for strength? Why do we do it? Maybe we start to think that if I just, if I feel better than those around me, then I won't be exhausted all of the time, right? But then, then we start to crush the people around us. We start to judge the people around us. We look down our noses at them and we disregard and despise those made in God's image. Or maybe we cut just a few corners because, like, look, you know, everybody's doing it. And if I, just, if I just cut this corner, if I, just, if I just set aside my integrity for this thing, then nobody will notice. It'll all be covered up with sheetrock, and it'll be fine. If we cheat just a little bit and get a little bit higher on our grade, it'll all work out, and I'll get into that great college, the University of Clemson. comes at a cost, doesn't it? Or we start to think, if I just satisfied the desires of my heart, these things that I keep longing for, if if, if I felt full in those things, physically, relationally, my appetites, my pleasures, then, then I will have the strength to do the next thing. But we crush the people around us. We pursue and become enslaved. I our desires and the idols of our hearts. We give up our integrity and our faithfulness to the Lord and He knows. And He does not devote one ounce of His strength to support idols. He tears them down and brings them to nothing. And really, all these things are. All of these efforts are just sophisticated ways that we've developed to avoid actually dealing with the Lord, who is all strength and might and glory. They don't regard the works of His hands. They don't want to know. They don't want to turn their eyes to Him, because to do so is to acknowledge that He is God and we are not. That His way is right and true, And we should follow in his steps and not go our own way. But it's only in him that we will find true strength revived. We don't often want to face the real problem. We don't want to admit what David admits from the very beginning that we are Weak. that we are frail, that we don't have the power to accomplish all the things that we'd like to accomplish. We are but a breath. And it's only in the Lord that we can find true strength revived because only the Lord has true strength. We don't want to deal with that. We want to. We want We want to avoid the question altogether. Like, like when the parent walks into the room, this has never happened to any parents that I've ever heard of. But you see paint or crayon or marker all over the wall. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because it's happened to every parent. And there's a child in the middle of the room covered in paint or marker or crayon, and and you just you don't even know like. Maybe you just painted that room the weekend prior and the child thought, what a great canvas. And and you ask them, who did this? And how do they always respond? I don't know. (laughs) Beats me. You know, if they have a sibling, they're like, this one did it. I I tried to stop them. (laughs) I don't know why I'm covered with paint. It just happened. Who knows? These things just, you know, they just take place sometimes and they don't want to face the reality that they did it. We we have to face that reality that we are covered in weakness. We are clothed in frailty. We are nothing. But what revives David's strength isn't that all of his problems were solved. It's not that all of his enemies were trampled under his feet. In fact, we don't have any indication in this psalm at all that anything that he was worried about or troubled by, was dealt with at all. What brings him strength is knowing that his God heard him. Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my shield. And for David, that was enough. To know that in all of his weakness, in all of his exhaustion, in all of his frailty, even maybe even in his sin, why is it that David was afraid that he was going to be dragged off with the wicked? Maybe this cry for mercy was out of David's own sin and wickedness, but whatever it was that was oppressing his soul, what brought him strength wasn't being placed on the top of the mountain. It was knowing that his God heard him and answered and would be there with him. He wasn't afraid to embrace his weakness and to cry out to the Lord. Why are we then? Why are we afraid to be honest with what we really are? Maybe when you look deep down and you see what you really are, you don't like what you see. Maybe when you look around and you see the people around you and you see what they really are, you don't like what you see. Or maybe in the midst of all of that, you're afraid that when you cry out to God, He's the sort of God who doesn't respond until you get your act together. Maybe you don't really know the sort of God who hears cries for mercy. This is a God who doesn't delay, who doesn't wait, who isn't far up and thrown in high on heaven, wagging his finger at these little peons saying, Well, you should have known better, you should have done better. This is a you problem. Not a me problem. Why don't you get it together and then, then revisit this conversation. He's not the sort of God who just glares and gives you the, the death stare. What, what is your problem? This is a God who takes pity on the weak, who cares for the fatherless and the widow, the God who came and took on weakness himself to seek and to save the lost. The God who saves his people by taking in his own flesh the sins and failures and weakness of his people and bears them himself, who's made weakness, that we might be made strong. This is a God who abounds to his people with mercy and kindness and who tells them again and again and again, I know that you are weak. I know that you are dust. I know that you are but a breath. But in your weakness, my strength is made perfect. And when you are weak, I make you strong. To what end? What is God accomplishing in that? What does that, that true strength that God brings to bear on the lives of his people, what does it actually accomplish? Sometimes I think that we are obsessed with what Martin Luther called right-handed power. It's that overt, external over-the-top display of might and authority and power. We want to crush our enemies. We want to to absolutely destroy all who would stand against us. We want to, to take hold of, of the bear and, and just wrestle it to the ground and stand victorious over top. And it's true. Our God has all the power. And He has demonstrated that He is very capable of bringing his might and glory and power to bear in a way that displays it mightily to all who have eyes to see. He has flooded the earth to show that he can eradicate all that is sinful with but a word of his power. He has sent armies fleeing. He has brought fire from heaven. He is capable of bringing this right-handed power to bear. But when you read through the scriptures, what you find more often than not is God's ordinary way of working, the way he usually goes about accomplishing his glorious purposes is through the use of what Martin Luther called left-handed power. That humble, quiet, Behind the scenes, providential working of his glory and his purposes, so that whatever comes to pass is according to his perfect will. This is the God who did not come from his throne in might and in glory to crush the Roman oppressors of his people, but took on flesh was born as a babe, wrapped in swaddling cloths and laid in a humble manger. This is the God who called fishermen to be his disciples. A God who ran to the sinner that he might offer forgiveness, who touched the leper. Things that those of strength and power and glory of his day would never have deigned to do it's this same God who is working right now behind the scenes in ways that our eyes cannot even begin to perceive, in ways that at the end of the ages we will all be in such awe and amazement at what God is able to do. He is working to accomplish His purposes according to all His power. And so the question for you, Christian, is what is God working all His power to accomplish? And David tells us, the Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. He saves his people and blesses them as his heritage. He's their shepherd who will carry them forever. God has turned all of his strength and all of his might and all of his power that does not fail, that does not fade, that cannot be questioned. No one can hold back his hand and question him and ask what is it he's done. He devotes all of that power to work in, through, and for his people that he loves. People who are weak, the people who are frail, a people who all too often find themselves feeling like they are cast into a pit, the God of all creation is at work for them, for you. And not just for now, but forever. As a shepherd with his sheep, How does this help you? How does this reality help you worship the Lord even when all your strength is gone? Maybe you need to, to examine yourself and ask the question who is the Lord to me? Really? Is he a taskmaster? Is he angry all the time at you? Is he a last resort? Or is he the strong foundation of all that you have and all that you are? your source of life and strength and being, the only reason you can take whatever the next step is, the only reason you can draw your next breath, the only reason that you live at all, is he everything to you because you know that you in Christ are everything to him. What is his call to you? What does he ask of you? What does he want you to be? Maybe you've gotten caught up thinking, oh, I've got to do great things for God. I don't know what it is. And it wears you out and exhausts you thinking, how am I going to impress God today? When all He calls you to is faithfulness, all He calls you to is to know Him, to cry out to Him to cling to him, to find your strength in him, to know his love and care for you. A God who says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will make you do a whole bunch of great things for me. Now, what does he say? Come to me and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul." Too often we look out at what we're able to accomplish in the world and when it just doesn't go the way we want, when our kids reveal themselves to be sinners like we were and are, when our neighbors don't respond to our evangelistic overtures, when our bosses or employees just don't seem to get it, we think, I need to, to step into this and do something. I need to have some great worldly effect to bring God glory. And we forget that it's God who's the one who's working His plans and His purposes. We get caught up in what laws are passed or what princes are in power or what wars are raging. But when you feel that you're in the pit, when you feel that all hope and life and delight is gone, when you feel that even your own sins and the desires of your own heart have so captured and captivated you, that you have nowhere to go. The God of Scripture, the God of David, the God of Psalm 28, says, cry out to me. Seek my face. Lift up your hands to my holy temple. Find your strength and your life and your light and your hope in me. Because when the Lord is your strength, you've found the secret to how you can worship even when your strength is gone. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would abound to us with your strength. Remind us, Lord, of who you really are, of your kind care and the mercy for your people, of how you have devoted your might and strength to them for their good, even though we don't deserve it. You call us to follow after you, not to accomplish our purposes, but to participate with you as you accomplish yours. Give us eyes to see where you are at work. Strengthen our hearts that we might follow after you, knowing our God, the mighty God, the strong God. He is our rock and sure foundation. And we can go wherever he leads because he is with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.